What up, Hi and Wide fam? Welcome to episode one of Behind the Stripes. I'm your host, Delco Dave, here with the legend himself, ESPN NHL rules analyst, former NHL official, Dave Jackson. Dave, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. You know, just putting together this show. I'm excited to get it launched, and uh, I think we had a pretty cool episode today. I hope the people enjoy it. We, uh, we're going to be discussing the Jacob Truba hits, um, the immediate response from the Calgary Flames players, the calls the officials made, and uh, the history of some of the rules that were involved in those calls. So, uh, Dave, so before I even show any clips, just uh, real quick, what's your opinion on the hits themselves and how the officials handled it overall? I thought they handled them really well. I mean, those are textbook hits. Just that's what everybody wants to see. Everybody always talks about, you know, let's get the headshots out of the game, the cheap shot, all, you know, that kind of stuff. These are just textbook hits. If you if you had to make a video and show great shoulder-to-shoulder contact, that's what these hits were. I mean, I just love it. That's rough, tough hockey. I mean, Daryl Sutter agreed with you when he was asked about it. He kept it short and sweet. Just said they were good, clean hits. <laughs> like the, the the opposing coach agreed. So um, I I mean, I think uh, I'm sure plenty of fans have their own opinions of it, and we're going to show the hits and go into it. Um, but even uh, Gerard Gallant, he even said too, he's like, it's a shame that you have, somebody has to fight at that. Troop was a big hitter, and they're going to go after him, but those were clean hits. So both coaches thought that they were clean, and uh, you thought they were clean. So I'll go ahead wow. and run it real quick. I'll start I mean, with you. The, look, you look at both coaches. Hockey. I mean, they played back in the day when it was big hits, and you you took your lumps, you gave your lumps, and then you took, you know, if you're upset, you take the guy's number, and you maybe line him up later in the game when he's not ready for it. Yeah, I, I think Gallant did did uh uh like qualify his statement a little bit saying, hey, it looked like Kadri could have got hurt on that one. So he thought he could understand that one a little bit more. Uh, but he still said they were clean hits and there was no injury, no headshot. So I think overall they were fine. Let's uh let's go to Old-time put the Dubay one. I'll show the Dubay one first. He ends up Tanev ends up fighting him right afterwards. A good play there by Coleman to steal. Finds Dubay who's rocked with a big hit by Truba. So, I mean, yeah, it was great, wasn't it? I mean, exactly what you want to see. Uh, I mean, Tanev was sticking up for his teammate. And uh, we, we were talking a little bit before the show, but Tanev didn't get a instigator call against him. He did get roughing. So Correct. maybe walk us through why that was why that was the call instead of instigating. Sure. I mean, the instigator is not black and white. There's there's several things that are involved in calling an instigator. Pen. One is distance traveled. One is uh, gloves off first. Uh, one is first punch thrown. It could be one of these. It could be all of them. In this case, Tanev, it wasn't really distance traveled. He was right beside Truba. I mean, they, they were shoulder to shoulder after that hit. Secondly, he kept his gloves on and he shoved them. He didn't drop his gloves and sucker punch him. He gave him a shove kind of in the chest. And he probably said, hey, let's go. Truba engaged him, and away they went. Uh, consensual fight. However, the referees did a good job of acknowledging that he shouldn't have to fight after a clean legal hit. And this, this was a great acknowledgement and said, if you're going to do that, if you're going to run the risk of challenging a guy after a clean hit, you're going to run the risk of being shorthanded for two minutes. That's what happened. That was good judgment. 
Okay, so the, you think the refs made the right judgment call? Hey, you in, you started it a little bit, but it wasn't a full blown instigator. You know what I mean? You didn't meet that criteria, but he still right. was sticking yeah. up for his teammate. And if that's what you're gonna do, you know, you, you have to pay a little bit of a price for that. He got two minutes for roughing for the hard shove in the chest, two gloves on, shove in the chest. That's a roughing penalty. And then he kind of says, "Hey, let's go." He didn't sucker punch him. Didn't it wasn't you know he didn't come sixty feet charging in. Didn't drop his gloves and start throwing. He hit him in the chest hard. Said, let's go, and away they went. That, that's that's a roughing penalty. And he avoids the misconduct in that case. And avoiding the misconduct is key when it comes to the instigator rules, because as we'll probably talk about later, that stacks up the more you get them. It builds it's like Ab- compound interest. Absolutely. It's you avoid the misconduct, you avoid the 10 minutes in the box, and instigator penalties are cumulative. So you get a certain number of them, you get suspended for a game. Absolutely. So the next one did result in an instigator penalty. And let's pull it up. So this is the Codger here. Codger against Trouba. Oh! Oh! Big hit! And once again, Trouba's challenge, this time by Dubé. So that hit was huge. Still clean, I think, but the helmet comes up. That's something you see in like NHL hits right there. Like that, that looked like something almost out of a video game. Um, well, you're too young, but we had rock and sock and robot when I was a kid and you uh, knock the other guy's block off and you know, they had to pop off and that's kind of what it looked like here. The helmet coming off really, it's almost like those, uh, those goals that go underneath the crossbar and a water bottle pops up. It just adds a bit of definition to it. Absolutely. I actually did have Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Me and my okay. uh, cousin used to keep my mom up all night until she took it away from us at like midnight. Right be up it. No, man. So anyway, that was a lot bigger. Um, Dubé was the one that uh, called him out this time and they threw down. Explain why Dubé ended up getting the instigator of the fighting and the misconduct all to go together. Well, what I find interesting here is on the first hit, wasn't it Dubé he hit? Yep. So Dubé's probably a little ticked off. <laughs> He's looking for this guy. I'm going to, any chance I get, I'm going to try and take my pound of flesh. But this was also what I talked about earlier, distance traveled. So he came flying in from probably about the blue line, dropped his gloves and started throwing. It wasn't, it wasn't a shove and say, hey, do you want to fight me? Sort of the way the first one was. This was, I'm not giving you a choice. I'm coming in and we're fighting. You're either going to fight back or, I, or I'm jumping in and you know, start pounding you with punches. So that's definition of an instigator penalty. When you don't give the other player an opportunity to consent or decline. And there was no opportunity there. So, so he gets the two-minute instigator, 10-minute misconduct, and I believe they get scored on. So I think message, message delivered. Now, a guy delivering a clean hit should not have to fight. He really shouldn't because – that is going to take away from guys who not necess- don't necessarily have those pugilistic skills. They're going to go, listen, I love giving big hits. I love giving clean hits. But if I have to fight every time I do it, well, it's going to impact my game because I might not be delivering those hits as much. No, absolutely. Now, you, you mentioned that he, he came in and he didn't give him a chance to fight. There was no, like, not a consensual fight, as you said. Now, when I was looking up some things about the instigator role, I found another rule called the aggressor penalty. Um, so now that, why wasn't Dubé called as an aggressor instead of an instigator? Like what, where's that line to where, like you said, Dubé basically jumped them. So like, how do you decide if it's going to be an instigator call or an aggressor call? Well, <clears throat> and what I loved at my entire career is I believe right in the first paragraph of the rule book under fisticuffs, it says the referees are provided very wide latitude when it comes to 
giving out penalties and deciding on degree of guilt. So a, 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 an aggressor penalty is normally reserved for A, when the fight has been won, the guy's either dead on his feet or he's down and you continue hammering him just to inflict punishment. You're no longer fighting. The other guy is conceded, turtled, he's unconscious, uh, whatever it may be, and you continue to deliver punches. That's an aggressor penalty. The other time you can call an aggressor penalty, and, and I think it would be called probably a match penalty, would be on an unsuspecting player where you sucker punch him. You're just standing in a huddle, and all of a sudden you wail off, hit him in the face, knock him down. There's no fight. It's just a one-punch knockout. You get a match penalty there under the aggressor rule, um, not stopping a fight. So just continuing, and linesmen come in, but you're still inflicting punishment. That's an aggressor. An instigator is simply starting a fight. You're the guy that's instigating it. Um, you're the guy who's not, like I said earlier, the guy who's not allowing the other player to decline. You're basically saying, we're fighting. Now, if he comes in and instigates and the other player declines and says, I'm not fighting, I'm turtling, and you continue to hammer on him, then you'll get an, uh, an aggressor penalty, which will be a game misconduct, not a match. Unless you, you know, continue to inflict damage to where you injured a player, then it goes to a match penalty. Now, are they ever called together, the instigator and the aggressor, or is it almost one yeah. or the other? You can't be, oh, you, they can be called together? They can, and uh, there's there's no time penalty for an aggressor. An aggressor is a game misconduct, or in the case of a sucker punch, would be a match penalty. Instigator is a two-minute penalty and a 10-minute misconduct. So in a case where you, would, where you would give both would be a guy comes in and jumps a guy. That's the instigator penalty. They mutually fight, but the guy who got challenged loses the fight. So he decides to turtle or he's dead on his feet. Linesmen get in and you continue hammering him. You continue to inflict punishment. In that case, you're going to get an instigator, 10-minute misconduct, five for fighting, and a game misconduct for being the aggressor. And now, does the aggressor rule stack uh, accumulate the way the instigator rule does? It like, does. Do you get two in a season, anything like that? It does. It's They're all cumulative. So um, aggressor penalties, um, instigator penalties, you know, uh, game misconducts for uh, violent infractions, like boarding, uh, stick-related things. They're all cumulative. Okay. And then they end up playoffs, I believe, and then you start a clean slate. But I'm not 100% sure about that. That that would be uh, the housekeeping, and I'm not. Uh, you know, the officials are more like policemen. They, <laughs> they they arrest the offenders, send them to the judge, and then the judge is the one that uh, does the housekeeping and applies the sentence. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was actually going to be my next question because it's not very clear in what I could find on the rule book. There, it's definitely clearly states that the record is wiped clean for the Stanley Cup Finals. But it doesn't specifically state anywhere about the playoffs. It just says for the finals. But it also says that the the infractions only accumulate during the season, so it doesn't state postseason either. Like so, I think it's one. I think this is a common complaint with a lot of rules for fans with a lot of the rules in the NHL. I think sometimes it's not clear enough, which is one of the reasons we decided to do this show to try to explain more things. But I think there's a lot of gray area sometimes within the rule book itself. Correct. And those aren't necessarily published uh, in the rule book because those are subject to change, but they're very clear to the teams. There's a memorandum that comes out. Um, it's issued by Colin Campbell every fall. The officials get a copy of it. The teams get a copy of it. And uh, it's also George Paris and, and the Department of Player Safety also issue it. And there's a certain amount of, I believe it's, I believe it's a full year, calendar year. 
And I could be wrong about that, but that's what it used to be. And so, for example, if you uh, had two instigators in the last two games of the season, I believe the following season, if you took an instigator in the first game of the season, for example, that would still be the same cal- uh I shouldn't say calendar year, 365 day year. Okay. So then you become a repeat offender. And the same thing goes with suspensions for high sticks, slashes, things like that. Are you a repeat offender? And those stay with you longer than just the 82 game schedule of the season. So that's interesting. So that like points on your driver's license, basically. They come off in one year or whatever. Like, exactly. So the date that you start, the date that you commit the first offense, that's your timeline for that 365 for that one to drop off. Exactly. And we can have a little short, you know, addendum to our next podcast where I'll get the answer for us. And I will tell you exactly what it is. Not just for the instigator, but for all stick infractions, uh, violent penalties, things like that. And uh, I'll... I'll nail it down and we'll have the answer. No, yeah, that'll be great. That'll be uh that'd be something we could probably do if there's any carryover from any episode. Like, hey, we don't know the answers on this one. Let's figure it out and have uh that's how we can kick off every show going forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Now and, uh, that, also, going back to that Ranger game, uh, there was a there was a third hit also on uh Milan Lucha got hit. And there was a, another fight because of it. Uh different participants, but the hit itself drew another you know, drew another crowd and there was all mingling around. And that was also a clean hit. There were three big hits. And um, I just love to see games like that. I mean, that was probably one of the most entertaining games I've seen all season. It was just full of old time hockey, full of clean hits. And both coaches agreed, all three hits. In fact, Kadri, when he got knocked out, he got up. I, I think I read a quote today. He said, yeah, it was a clean hit. I took it like a man, got back up and back in the game. And I just wish we'd see more of that. Yeah, no, because I, I think hitting is uh, – you don't see too many – there's not too many guys that have the skill and the wherewithal to pull off big, clean hits like that. Like, it's a rare skill, and it can be a moment, momentum-changing thing. A lot of the uh, – a lot of lead these days is so analytics-driven. I'm sure that – and I'm sure all the numbers say that hits are not a good part of playing hockey. Like, it means it's – the numbers probably show that it's not a good thing. But I think from an entertainment factor, which is still what this game's supposed to be, you're supposed to get fans to watch the game get into it. That's something you got to do. Like, that's an excitement level. That's a pop play. When you're at home, that, that changes the momentum. Whether you're winning or losing, If you know, that's going to either going to build momentum for you or it's going to take it away from yeah. the other team. And there's two things at play here. If I'm on the Rangers bench and I see that massive hit, and then I see my captain fight and, you know, kind of win the fight as well. I mean, talk about a momentum boost. But secondly, as, as a referee, you see a massive hit like that. And then you say to yourself, like if, if there's no, I don't like a guy having the fight, as I said, on a big hit. But it sometimes beats the alternative because instead of chasing Truba around all night and you having to deal with it as a referee, keeping an eye open and all that, they settle it right away. They fight, they drop the gloves. I mean, it's not over with totally, but to a certain degree, it's taken care of. It's taken care of. He's answered the bell. He doesn't have to go around the rest of the game going, well, you never answered the bell for the big hit. Yeah, he did. Right then and there, settled. And, you know, instant karma, instant justice. And as a referee, you're kind of inside you going, well, I'm glad that was taken care of. Either I was going to have to take care of it or they could take care of it. And they, you know, they did. They took care of it. You make the call. Everybody moves on. Yeah. It, until he crushes another guy 30 minutes wow. later and <laughs> has to do it again. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. And I remember uh, last season I was, at, I was at the game live and it was a uh, Boston playing um, Colorado. 
And Taylor Hall put a big hit on um, Nathan McKinnon. Knocked him out of the, that game. And it turned out to be a clean hit. It was his own stick. Um, McKinnon's own stick. He tried to lift it over as he was going to get hit. His own stick hit him in the face. And it turned out to be a clean hit. Um, nothing wrong with the play. And Gabriel Landeskog was the captain, the leader of the Avs. Chased Taylor Hall around all night. Didn't jump him, but just made his life miserable. <laughs> and I had to laugh because uh, the Avs won and they interviewed Landeskog after the game, right on the ice. I believe he was first star, second star, whatever. The Avs won. And the, um, the person doing the interview said to him, did you get a look at that hit? Because it turns out it was a clean hit. And Gabriel Landeskog's answer, I still remember, it resonates with me. He says, yeah, I saw the hit, and it was completely legal. I realized that it was a clean hit. He goes, but I wanted him to know, and I wanted the whole league to know, that if you're going to try and take a run at one of our stars, you're going to have to pay the price. <laughs> so, you know what? I mean, you've got to respect that. You just yeah. He's saying, you know what? Even a clean hit. If you want to put a clean hit on one of our big stars, you're going to have to pay the price. And, you know, he was sort of throwing the gauntlet down, and, I guess that's leadership. That's, you know, if I'm on, if I'm on the abs, I got to say, wow, I, I get a ton of respect for that. Yeah. That's going to be very well, very well received and very well respected in the locker room. If you're, if that's your deal, like, Hey, listen, like, I'm coming for you all night long. If you come after one of my guys, the team sees yeah. that going on. And, and like you said, he stepped up, he was the captain. He did what he had to do. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's ever going to go away. So as much as, you know, we want to say, you know, you hate for a guy to have to fight after a clean hit. I think even when they're big, clean even if it's clean, if it's a big hit like that, I, I feel like almost any hockey player is going to want to go out there and try to send some kind of message in response. Right. And see, that's where it becomes tough for the referees. Because unlike the instant justice when they fight, now you've got a, all night long, you've got a sort of, it's a lot of housekeeping, a lot of babysitting. And you're, you're talking to guys all night long. Like, look, man, it was a clean hit. And those, I, I realize that, but I still got a job to do. And you go, I know that, but I've got a job to do too. So I know what you're doing, but you got to respect what I'm doing. And, you know, there's a fine, it's a fine dance right there because, you know, he's just, you know, trying to protect his teammates and trying to mete out some street justice. But that's what the referee's job is also to make sure that we meet out the justice and try and eliminate the street justice. So it, uh, and it I becomes, those- it, you earn your money as a referee when those kind of things happen. Yeah, and I think um, I think when referees stay on top of stuff like that, I think the fans appreciate that more actually, because when it starts getting out of hand, and if it feels if one team starts feeling like they were shorted on something, that's when I think things can, things can spiral out of control, and that's when I think referees and linesmen can lose control of the game a bit. If you know what I mean, so I feel yep. like if you, if you handle something right away, you know what I mean. All right, it was done, it was handled, that was the call. But if once one side feels like they got slighted or shorted. All of a, that's all of a sudden when that, as you refer to it, street justice can start getting more prevalent. And then it, I think it makes the job, I would assume it makes the job 10 times harder for you guys. It does. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I had this saying and it was about um, raising my kids. Uh, I tell my wife that those penalties you let go in the first period, they're going to come back to haunt you in the third. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is, you know, when you let your kids have tantrums and don't address it and then, you know, they're four or five years old and you go, how did I get to this place? Well, it's because you didn't address it in the first period. And that goes for every hockey game you ever work. There were games where I'd be in the third period and it was complete chaos. It was mayhem. And you'd be looking at the scoreboard. You'd be looking at the clock, just 
wishing that clock would be you know going double time but you'd say to yourself how'd i get to this position and it was usually you know it's partly my fault there were things in the first and second period i didn't address and by not addressing those things if you don't address it the teams will address it if you don't meet out justice teams are going to meet out justice so when it starts happening where the teams are meeting out justice you can probably look in the mirror and say well it's because i didn't take care of things early in the game and that's the best referees when something happens and teams start getting you know going after a guy that's when you've got to step up you've got to you know you've got to take the bull by the horns and say you go sit down i'm calling a penalty on you you go to the benches you say listen my job out here is to keep this game safe and fair and i'm going to do that i'm going to protect you guys but if you want to take it in your own hands you're going to be sitting shorthanded it's up to you and the best referees that's how they get their reputation and that's how they control a hockey game now the i'd imagine it gets even more complicated over a seven game series in the playoffs which is why there's playoffs officials as well as there's playoff teams. They pick the best of the best to handle those um, postseason games. But then it's not even just the first period and the third period. It's game one, game two that can haunt you in game five, game six, game seven. Like there's there's two teams are playing to seven times over the course Shoot. of 10 days. Yeah, which is why they never uh, put the same two referees in back-to-back games in the playoffs. You do You get your schedule and you're one and done. So you're going into a Ranger Philly series. You're doing game three. You want to be prepared for that game three. And the league does everything they can to prepare you. There's a league. There's a uh, an official supervisor who stays with the series, the whole seven games. It goes seven games. And he keeps notes on all those games. And when you come in, whether you come in the day before or you come in day of game, there's a pregame meeting. And they lay out everything that's happened in that series. Who's been acting up? Who's been Who's been targeted? Um, are they crowding the crease? I mean, just A to Z. And they prepared the officials the best of their ability. So you know going into that game what's transpired, what you need to be aware of, what the hot-button topics are. And then you're also made aware of what the supervisor, he meets with both coaches, both GMs, day of, day of the game. They, you know, they air their concerns, supervisor addresses it, and then he usually tells them, listen, there's been too many scrums, so we're going to advise the officials that they got to clamp down on the scrums. We just, it's getting out of hand. So they'll tell the officials, listen, we told the coaches, we told the teams, we're not going to tolerate scrums tonight. So the referees go out and he's knowing that, well, that's been a hot button thing. Teams have been made aware of it. Now, if you go out and just allow a bunch of scrums, the coaches are looking at you going, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, we were told, play disciplined, Referees let the referees take care of the scrums, and now you guys aren't taking care of the scrums. So there's a responsibility as the official to, you know, be prepared, to be focused, and go into that game and do your job. Because taking the easy way out usually snowballs on you. You know, taking the easy way out sometimes is the easiest way early in the game, but it starts snowballing. And by the third period, you're saying, wow, I shouldn't have taken the easy way out because the game's a lot harder right now. How to, if I'd just done my job in the first. Um, so, but then when you finish that game, you're gone. It's a new crew coming in for the next game. Only time you'll see the same referees is probably a game seven. But would they be back to back? Would it be game six, game seven, or would they just be coming back for a return because you had somebody has to rotate in? Probably not. If you're doing game six, you're not they would probably bring in a crew from another series that hadn't seen this series yet, or had done games, maybe one or two early in the series. 
Gotcha. That's it. I did not know about the uh, that they don't have the officials not handle back to back games within a series. No, I tell you what, familiarity breeds contempt, and uh, that goes both ways. You know, <laughs> you don't want to be going out there going, "Well, I've got to referee this game and use judgment for like six periods." You go, "I got my three periods to work, and I'm going to go do my job. I'm going to lay the hammer down. They're going to, you know, they might not like me, they might like me, but that's not really a care of mine. My job, my responsibility is to the game. I'm going to do my job." Get out of there and let somebody, you know, hopefully you're going to set the table for the next crew coming in. It's going to be easy for them. The supervisor is going to tell them, hey, the guy's last game worked a great game. They took care of the scrums. They cleaned it up. They protected the goaltender. There was no controversy. You guys go in and says, you know, last game, the guys didn't do their job. They're, that was just, actually one. That was one of my next questions was, do you as like fellow officials talk to each other? Like, do you go into a series, you're working game five and you know who worked game four and the whole thing's a mess. Is it ever like, yo man, what the hell was going on, dude? Like, why am I coming yep. in here to clean this up? <laughs> for sure. For sure. And it'll usually just be, you know, in jest, it'll be a text message or something. Be like, hey, thanks for the mess you left me type of thing. <laughs> and, and a lot of times it's not even, it's not even um, that they made bad calls. They didn't do a good job. You can miss one call. And that's all it takes. You know, it's just the margins are so tight in playoff games. You miss one call or, or you make one, you know, one marginal call that from where you were standing, it looked like a penalty, but it wasn't. The team scores on it. And all of a sudden they're just, you know, the teams are livid. They're mad. They feel like they got screwed. And, you know, they start taking liberties. And before you know it, it gets away from you. So when those things happen, believe me, no one feels worse than the official on the ice. <laughs> and you try and reel the game back in and you do the best you can, but it's not always successful. No, Dave, that's a lot of great stuff, man. I think uh, we covered a lot of good ground, especially for our first episode. This is entertaining. We're kind of uh, getting down close to the end now. So uh, anyway, I'll, I'll throw it over to you for a little bit to talk about anything, whatever you want. It's how I always like the end shows, giving people a chance to just get on their soapbox. So go ahead, man. Anything you want to talk about? Well, I've got nothing really planned. I just, you know, I, my goal for this podcast is to have our listeners, have our viewers send us questions. You know, if there's something, I'm not going to bash officials, but officials do make mistakes. If there's a call you think was wrong or if there's a call you don't understand, I'd love to analyze it. You know, send it in. You and I can talk about it. We can explain probably what the thought process was of the officials and, and we can explain what the rule is and how it's determined and you know, if it was applied correctly or not, we'd love, I'd love to have the, you know, our fans be part of this. 100%, man. I agree. We got to get the mailbag going. There'll be posts on Twitter throughout the week about the upcoming episode. Our plan is to record every Wednesday. So you guys got seven days to get any questions in that you have. You can tweet them at me at real Delco Dave, or you can tweet them at Dave at ESPN ref NHL, right, Dave. That's it. Yep, and uh, he'll he'll usually be retweeting stuff I put out, so we should have uh, plenty of time for you guys to get some questions in. My uh, quick little parting message is Super Bowl Sunday, go Birds. <laughs>